The underdog is howling. This is Stanford Steve and the Bear. Ah, yes. A home team getting points. What's better than that? Welcome in to what is formerly been known as the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast. Stanford Steve is abandoning Travis and I. He's moved to the DMV. And the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, as we've noted in the past, is no longer. Steve has got, actually, no, that's not true. Steve is, Steve is still here. He's not here this week. He's just on vacation. I have his full blessing to, uh, to do a pie. I told him, I'm getting bored. I want to talk soccer. I want to talk baseball. And he's like, do it. You have my blessing. So here I am. I'm flying solo. Just myself. Travis, Travis is dedicated. He, he, he's home in Ohio, but he still has, has the time and the ability to, to find his way to, to help us out here and, and be involved. Travis, how you doing? I'm doing good. You know, we, you know, we still like to work, you know, Steve, you know, big superstar, you know, just takes a month off just because, you know, but we'll grind. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. He'll, he'll, he'll get back at some point when, 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 when he and the, the, the tall man are uh, kicking their new sports center off down in, down in DC. I mean, they, they get, they got some life those two, but now we, 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 we kid cause we care. Um, but no, you know, in all seriousness, I figured with uh, baseball starting back up, uh, it'd be a good time to check in with uh, with John Murray from uh, from Westgate, kick around some uh, some baseball props and some thoughts, and see what people are uh, maybe betting on in terms comes to uh, maybe some NBA stuff as well. Uh, talk talk around, kick that around with him, and as well the final weekend of the uh, English Premier League, it'll be a good opportunity to have our good friend Nigel Seely on to talk about some of the final Sunday fixtures and what they mean to relegation, promotion, Champions League, Europa League, and uh, he is he is the best of that there is. But uh, before we get to Nigel, just want to remind everybody to check out Marty Smith's America. Uh, this week he chatted with Chipper Jones, charging the mound as a player, uh, the NL having a DH, and a whole lot more. Uh, looking forward to seeing Chipper this week, this year on our uh, ESPN broadcast. So download and subscribe to Marty Smith's America, as well as the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And now let's uh, let's have that chat with Nigel Seely as we preview uh, a little bit of Champions League. We'll have him back on before then, but most certainly the uh, the final week of the English Premier League. We are happy again to be joined by Nigel Seely of Premier Sports Plays. You can follow him, obviously, at Seely underscore Nigel uh, on Twitter. And he is someone who has made a, a lot of his subscribers and VEASAN listeners and followers on Twitter very, very happy uh, over the last few weeks, for, for sure, especially on a, on a Tuesday afternoon with that, that nice Villa uh, outright win at a, at a nice Plus two, two, two hundred five, two ten, two fifty, somewhere in that range, and that, and that worked out pretty well for all of us. Yeah, it was fantastic. Thank you very much for having me back again, uh, Bear. Lovely to be joining you again on the final day of the Premier League season. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a great result. I mean, it was one of those matches that you actually thought about what could possibly happen, and it all fell to plan. And it doesn't, it doesn't really happen that many times, you know. And, and when, when it does, you've got to make the most of it. So I was uh, absolutely delighted to see that. And uh, Arsenal offered very little, um, which I thought they would. You know, they're, they're all about the FA Cup final in a couple of weeks' time against Chelsea. That's their priority. 
and uh, Aston Villa capitalised. I don't think Aston Villa are that great. Um, you know, I, I thought they had some nervy moments, but you've got to ride your luck sometimes, and uh, you know, get get in, get in a bit of the rub of the green. Uh, gets the money in the back of the pu- in, in your pocket, so that it was a good one. So thanks very much for that. It was, yeah, good. Oh, and it's been a good couple of weeks in the lockdown. It's great. Yeah, it made make sure you check out Nigel's uh, Twitter feed and then his website premsportsplays.com uh, dot to uh, to check out all of his uh, information on being and being involved as a uh, subscriber for the uh, the next season. As well, you hit on Arsenal and uh, full disclosure to our listeners here, uh, we are recording this on. On Wednesday afternoon, prior, just as the Manchester United match uh, has kicked off, and prior to the Liverpool Chelsea match, so some things may differ uh, based on the result of those matches. But one match, <clears throat> which really nothing will will change based on the result of those match, is the uh, the Watford Arsenal match. You mentioned Arsenal uh, beating Liverpool, beating uh, getting to the FA Cup Championship uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, you wouldn't think they would have much care about this match, but they did field a pretty formidable lineup against Villa. They weren't very good, but they did play their guys. Uh, and now they uh, they host Watford at the Emirates, and, and Watford uh, pretty much has to guarantee win to kind of guarantee themselves safety. Maybe they're going to get into a goal differential uh, situation with, with Villa and maybe Bournemouth. Uh, Watford Arsenal, do, do you think Watford can go to the Emirates and, and get a result? I don't think they can. I really don't think they can. I mean, Watford uh, have been disastrous at the very start of the season. Um, were, were the bookmakers very, very heavy odds on favourites to get relegated into the championship? And they looked certainties. And then they brought in a guy, Nigel Pearson. A great first name, by the way, Nigel. Um, and he came into he, exactly. He came into the club and he gave him a bit of confidence. And um, what did he get rewarded with? He had a bust up with a couple of players and, and they, they sacked him with two games to go when they needed him most. Um, he could have got them out. And as soon as they got rid of the manager, that was it for me. It was curtains. They've given a, a novice, a rookie uh, guy, a coach, an ex-player called Hayden Munnings an opportunity. He is like a rabbit in headlights. I mean, he's got absolutely no idea what he's let himself in for. They didn't perform at all against Manchester City. I know where Manchester City are a, a, a fantastic footballing side when you allow them to play, but Watford were terrible. They have no goals in them. They have very low confidence, and they go to an Arsenal side. Okay, admittedly, they have the FA Cup final to play next week, which we've highlighted on. But at the price there, even money, even money, Arsenal. I mean, come on, they've got to be minus money. How can they be even money against this Watford side? Um, I will go against my argument slightly that I made about the FA Cup final for the Villa game because there's one game to go here. Aubameyang still has a possibility of being a top Premier League goal scorer. So I think he'll want to play. I think he'll want to take penalties. I think he'll want to take free kicks. And also, there's players playing for the FA Cup places. You can't really tell you who's going to be the starting eleven for Arsenal at Wembley and on the 1st of August against... Um, sorry, the 1st of August against Chelsea. So... There's a, there's a lot to play for for this Arsenal side in this particular game. And I think at even money, that's a huge, huge, huge overreaction by the bookmakers. Uh, I expect I fully expect to see Arsenal start about minus 120 for this game. Um, I think there'll be a big money for you. If you can get evens or any plus money, if it's still around, snap it up quick because this Watford side are in turmoil. I, I, would, I would pretty much agree with, with that assessment there. Uh, one match which... I don't think really has anything to do with uh, much uh, 
Burnley versus Brighton, the, the, the Brighton-Newcastle match the other, the other day was probably one of the poorer matches I've seen uh, all season long. Uh, if you look at Burnley, they've been an under machine. Uh, if you go back over their last 10 matches, the only one which saw more than two goals scored uh, was the match against City. And, and this is a side that can finish as high as eighth in the table. So you would think uh, that, that Burnley at home would, would be pretty motivated to win. And, and maybe you, do you think we could possibly see some, some goals in this game? Well, I think Burnley at the prices are probably the best bet on the final week of the uh, the Premier League coupon. They're, they're plus 135, and I think that's too big. I mean, they are week in, week out, underrated by the bookmakers, and they're playing the Brighton side. Uh, I've got absolutely nothing to support at all. If this game was played uh, around about sort of six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, the nil-nil detector would have absolutely combusted. It would, it, would have, it would have blown up. The weather, the weather in London, the weather in London is hot. And I'm telling you now, this would have overloaded. It would have, it would have been, it would have been hit the, it would have absolutely combusted. But this is the last day of the season in the Premier League. Last day of the season. Last day of the season, goals go up by about half a goal per game, roughly. If you look at the average over 10 years. And I think this is a game that most teams might have a go at each other. They might say, OK, we'll have a go. The reason I think that Burnley will win this game is because Sean Dyche is a real, real good manager. And I think he's taken this Burnley club as far as he possibly can. And I believe there may be a couple of managerial jobs coming up soon where he may be a candidate for. He may be, a, you know, if Watford stay in the Premier League, he's a former Watford player. He may fancy that opportunity. I don't know why he would do, you know, but I think he'll look for a bigger club. Um, whether Burnley, Watford are a bigger club than Burnley, it depends on the ambition they're going to spend. But Burnley do not spend any money. And this guy takes them to 8th and 7th and 10th. Beats Arsenal in the Premier League. Takes an onside Tottenham. We've got the fantastic stadium. Unbelievable achievement what he's done. And I think for that reason, the motivation is going to be there for Burnley. And I fully expect Burnley to win this. In probably, for what is a high-scoring game in Burnley matches, I'll go 1-0. That's going to be a very high-scoring game for Burnley. 1-0. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of really high-scoring teams lately, uh, Crystal Palace has been held scoreless to, to nil uh, six of the last seven matches, and now they they host a Spurs team that's actually in their best form of the year. Harry Kane's uh, playing quite well uh, lately. Uh, it, 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 we're we're going we're gonna to test that uh, that that theory on goals being up uh, nearly a half a goal a game with Crystal Palace here, don't you think? Yeah, I like the way you said through gritted teeth that Harry Kane's playing quite well. Uh, I know, you, I know, I know you've got a negative about that's Paulie and Paulie and my guy. Yeah, I know you've got a bit of a negative for Harry Kane, but um, I mean, on his day, I mean, he he he, get, he does the business, so it doesn't matter how he does it. He gets you 25, 20 goals a, a season when he's fit, and um, that's an attribute you've got. I mean, a lot of them come from penalties, but uh, but he gets the job done. Um, I I fully expect. Um, uh, Tottenham to win this game and we spoke about Sean Dyche Sean Dyche could be a potential Crystal Palace manager as well because I don't think that Roy Hodgson will um, will, will be there at the start of next season I think his his tactics have come a bit dated he's got to change a, a squad that a lot of the star players want away I think Tottenham will score but again it's it's difficult to have that win to nil purely and simply because of the last day of the season factor this is the time that everyone goes over this is the time that everyone backs uh, bets on uh, both teams to score, yes. Um, so for that reason, I, I wouldn't be really rushing to bet that play. 
I can see where the logic comes from, but I wouldn't bet it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one out there. Wilfred Sahar, um, Crystal Palace player, legend at the club, their best player and their main talisman for many years. He's got to leave that. He's a local boy. He's born about two miles from Crystal Palace. I think Crystal Palace will be his last game for them. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Tottenham next season. It's a kind of club. He wants to stay in London. And, it, you know, if you want to stay in London, you've really only got Tottenham, Arsenal or Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to throw one out there. Sahar to score in the game at any time. Um, I think he may get a goal. I think Tottenham will win. I'm going to go for Tottenham to win probably 2 or 3-1. But I don't think they'll win to nil. It's really that much of a play, purely and simply because it's the last day of the season. And Sahar, the legend at Crystal Palace, probably want to go out with a bit of a uh, bit of a high. So throw, throw one out there, Sahar to score at any time in a Tottenham win. Yeah. And, and sometimes so those those markets that, that are out there are, if you don't like the side or the total, uh, some of those other uh, derivatives are, 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 are fun ways to approach things. I, I, I know it's kind of tough to assess it not knowing uh, the result of Manchester United, West Ham. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume uh, United wins yeah, today against West Ham. They, they 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 go to Leicester, which probably will determine that final Champions League spot. Uh, it, it seems like a very nervy, low-scoring match. If those are the, if that is the situation, would you agree with that? I don't actually. I don't. Okay. Uh, but I, I fancy goals. I really do. I think that you can't look at a Manchester United game that they play now without seeing goals, without attacking flair of Greenwood, Martial, Rashford. You know, they're like they're like the Red Arrows. The three of them going at the teams. They're like, they're like just supersonic pace, um, frightening, frightening offensive, defensively they're terrible. I think Oni Solskjaer got his tactics completely wrong against Chelsea, and he and he was he was punished. But I think in the Premier League, there are different kettle of fish. There are different, and what I mean by that is that there are different opposition there. And um, I think Leicester will know that this is their cup final. They have to have a go. Um, Jamie Vardy going for the top goal scorer in the Premier League. The big thing for me is whether James Madison plays for Leicester. They've missed him. He's been out for four games. James Madison pulls all the strings in that midfield. He's an England player who's a creative midfielder who creates all the chances for Vardy. If they have him in their side, they will give. They will. They could go toe to toe with uh, with Manchester United, but without him, I can't see it. But I do think there'll be goals. I would. I would go for over two and a half goals here. I think if you look at the games between these sides, it's always been some high-scoring matches. Jamie Vardy's scored a lot of goals against Manchester United in the Premier League, and I think. I think there will be goals. So, I think your argument is is okay, and it's it's a good argument to think that the nature of the game will be t- quite tight. But as soon as a goal goes in, then it opens then the it opens up. Yeah, and I think there could be an early goal here because the way the two sides are set up, they're both very attack-minded. Leicester are without four, three of their regular back four um, at the moment. So that opens up there to, to concede a goal. And they've been conceding a lot of goals since the lockdown. So, no, I, I would go over here. Um, just the lean, nothing nothing, nothing too major. But I think it will be a good game. And... Um, I expect both teams to score and, and at a high score in an entertaining affair rather than the negative one. But obviously, if it's nil-nil after 25, 30 minutes, then we could be in for a, a dull affair. But I, but, I, but I'm going to go oppose you here. I'm going to go for goals. Well, you're right. The lacking, the lack of that back four, and then Madison being out. He, I guess you can kind of excuse allowing three against Spurs, but but four-one uh, versus Bournemouth was definitely a a very eye-raising result. Yeah, but a lot, a lot of those goals, though, those goals come in the in the last ten minutes. Three of those goals, it was, you know, it was. If you look at the stats of the game, it, it was very misleading. 
You know, those goals really did come in late in the game. And there was a sending off as well that changed the whole complex, complexion of the match. So, um, but I think Leicester have known as they've gone through this bad run, they know that it's all about this one game. So they may have gone through the motion slightly just to have a real crack at Manchester United. And the one thing that Manchester United are is weak at the back, in particular weak in the goalkeeper. And I, if I was the manager at Leicester, I would be putting myself massively ill on De Gea within five minutes. He's, he's a guy lacking confidence at the moment. Just get the ball straight in on him and, and rough him up after five minutes because his confidence is, in, is all over the place. Just you have you before the season you had you had promoted uh, Jamie Vardy to lead the league in goals, correct? When yeah, I, I, I said uh, it was twenty to twenty to one. So we we're on Jamie Vardy at twenty to one to be the, the top goal scorer. Yeah. Hopefully that will will work out for you there. Um, uh, Liverpool Newcastle, obviously Liverpool lifting the trophy today. Uh, Newcastle, nothing to play for really. Uh, Liverpool, really honestly, I, I think once they wrapped it up, it officially. Uh, God came back from the restart, got the point total to officially clinch the title. They, their, their form has not been, has not been super. Obviously, I think they really miss Jordan Henderson. You mentioned how Leicester misses James Madison. I think Liverpool really misses uh, Jordan Henderson a lot. Uh, I could see this being a match where Jurgen Klopp uh, gets a lot of his guys out there who might need that uh, fifth game to, to, in order to get that champions, the, the, the league winner medal. Uh, I honestly have no idea what to expect from Liverpool, especially not knowing what we're going to see this afternoon versus Chelsea. But, 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 but again, I, I can see this not being a very high quality final day fixture. Possibly not, but I think it offers a bit of value in terms of the betting. I mean, Liverpool, obviously, I th you've, you've only got to look at their form since they've won the, the, the title. That is dipped. You know, they, they, they've been beaten a couple of times since that. They're resting a few players. One player will probably play would be Adam Lallana. It'll be his last game for yeah, Liverpool. Whole match. I think, you know, I think, you know, look at someone like that. The amount, the amount of times that happens. If Liverpool get a penalty, they might give it to Lallana. Liverpool have nothing to play for. Everything they've tried to do, be, be unbeatable, hasn't happened. Get the 100 points, hasn't happened. They've won the league. And I tell you what, there's going to be a, an almighty celebration in Liverpool um, with their fans this evening. And I'm sure the players will be joining in some way, you know, whether it, whether it's not in, in, on one-to-one, -one, maybe on social media. So I think there's, a, there, there's going to be huge emotion about them. And they're going to, it's a, a bit of a lull coming back to, to Earth to play Newcastle um, three days after you've, won, you've, you've got your hands on the Premier League title. And Newcastle are a club that they've got new owners next season. Um, that Mike Ashley finally looks as though he's going to sell the club. There's a lot of money coming in from Abu Dhabi and potentially there's talk of a huge amount of money going to be spent at Newcastle next season. They're linked with some unbelievably top draw players, some of the best players in European football. Now, so that means to me, there's a lot of these players here who have something to prove. The manager certainly has something to prove, Steve Bruce, because he's under pressure because if the money comes in, he may be the talk of Pochettino going there, the former Tottenham manager. So I'm looking at the odds here. I think nine to one, nine to one Newcastle to win this game is a big, big price. It's, it I seems like it's way too big. It's way too big. And it's also the Newcastle plus one and a half goal is way too big. If Liverpool win this game 1-0, if Liverpool draw this game 0-0, it means nothing to Liverpool. Absolutely nothing. Um, these two sides have always played some very entertaining football matches over the years. And there's a lot of history between the two of them. Kenny Dalglish famously managed both sides. And, you know, a lot of players have gone to play for Newcastle. Michael Owen uh, has gone there. Some big players. So... I, I, I'm really, really tempted 
to just have a bit of pizza money on the nine nine to one <laughs> on Newcastle. Here. I really am. I, I think it's far too big. I mean, let's let's be realistic. If Liverpool were going for the title, say five weeks five weeks ago, what price would they be? What odds would Newcastle be? They'd probably be the same price. They'd be nine to one. Now, title's wrapped up. Newcastle trying to impress new owners coming in, new manager. Liverpool resting loads of players, loads of loads of young kids potentially playing to get their five gaps. And Newcastle still nine to one. It's it's wrong. Let's back Newcastle very small, and it's certainly back the uh, the one and a half on Newcastle and the handicap because that's a massive. You know, I can't see Liverpool really wanting to go through and win this one on maybe two or three nil. I, I think. Get this done and go and celebrate your title success. One, uh, one, one side that's been in pretty good form lately is Southampton. Uh, they, they, they fish Sheffield United. Uh, neither team really has any, any European ambitions here. Uh, any, any, any feel, any lean, any, any idea of what to expect? Uh, um... Well, I think it's going to be quite tight defensively. These two sides are very good defensively. The only, the only thing for anything in this game is Danny Ings. Danny Ings is trying to be the top Premier League goal scorer. He's two behind Jamie Vardy. And with Jamie Vardy playing Manchester United, he may feel this is an opportunity for him to get a couple of goals and, and be the top Premier League goal scorer, which is a huge achievement for him and for an English player. Now, English players are never very rarely the top goal scorer in their country. Obviously, Harry Kane has done that, but um, not, it's, not, it's usually gone to a, an Aguero or a foreign player. So that, that is that's a huge achievement for him. And it's from an unfashionable club. It's tremendous. So the only angle I see here is Danny Ings to score or maybe even score the first goal. Because if you look at 22 players on that pitch, there's one player who's given 150% and the others are given <laughs> 95%. And that one player is Danny Ings. So potentially a small play if you can get that market on Danny Ings to score at any time or even Danny Ings to score the first goal in the game, which I think is around about... About four, you can get about four dollars for your money, which I think is a decent price. All right. Villa got that big win against Arsenal. Uh, West Ham is safe. Uh, would you think Villa comes out and just kind of very, very hesitant, very uh, defensive minded early on and then kind of react to what Watford's doing against Arsenal? I think this they is got that, they had that one goal edge, yeah. right? The goal differential. Yeah, this is a very difficult game to have a bet on pre-match because we are really betting on what's happening at the other game. Um, Aston Villa would be delighted with this game to be nil-nil. Both two sides could play out a very mundane board draw um, as long as Arsenal are winning 1-0 at the Emirates. If there's a goal at the Emirates and Watford go 1-0 up, then we have a completely and utterly different match. I think you'll know a lot about West Ham's where they are uh, after tonight's match against Manchester United. You will see whether Manchester, uh, what West Ham still fancy that have got a bit of appetite in them. Uh, if they if they lay, lay down without a fight tonight, then they may do the same again. But I think this is one to avoid at all costs. So I wouldn't have a bet on this game um, because there's too much going on elsewhere for us to have a real confident selection. Say for example. Man, Arsenal are 3-0 up with, with 60 minutes to go. And we're seeing kickball. Yeah, we, and, and we could see West Ham win 2-0. But if the game's 1-0 uh, or 0-0 with, with 10 minutes to go at the Emirates, and it's a very, very different game. So really, this is one for in-play punters. 
Um, and I, w- I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really hazard a guess of where you should be putting your money pre-match. I would just keep this firm in your pocket and look for other options this weekend. And I would, with, with, it looked like Bournemouth were com- completely finished. I remember the last time Steve and I had had you on, you'd, you went through all of the issues that was going, what were going on there, and, and, and they laid some eggs uh, early on after the restart. But, but like, there's still like a, technically a sliver of hope that if they can win at Goodison and somehow Watford and Villa lose, they, they get in that goal differential battle. So this potentially, uh, the Bournemouth-Everton match, you could potentially see this maybe being a little bit wide open as Bournemouth basically say, hey, we've got nothing to lose. We've got to win in hope. So this could potentially be a, a one of those like 4-2 type of matches maybe. Oh, without a shot, this is, this, is, this is definitely one that's got goals written all over it. It really has. I mean, Bournemouth only know one way to play and that's try to attack. And that's been their problem all season. Um, they just go all out of attack and they haven't really got a plan B. They're, they're not very defensive-minded. And that's why their manager, Eddie Howe, is such a sought-after young manager because he has sort of no 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 fear in the way he wants to play. Um, but the reverse fixture ended 3-1 to Bournemouth. Bournemouth won that game 3-1. And I remember famously back in, um, I think it was 2006-2007 season, this game ended 6-3 to, uh, to Everton <laughs> in, in this fixture. And it was the most bizarre football match I think I've ever seen. I think the game was something like, I think there was four goals in the last four minutes of the game. There was two in the 90th minute. I know that for definite. Um, it, was, it was incredible. And that's the kind of game I expect. I mean, if you go back through the records of these two sides, it's always been goals. They also had a 3-3 draw. Uh, in the first year of the Premier League, at this fixture, uh, in, in the reverse fixture, so this is a his, this is a match that has a, a, a strong history and historic factor of goals. The two sides both like to attack, both sides are pretty weak defensively, and and I include Everton in that because I think the England goalkeeper Jordan Pickford has has nowhere near been his best since the the restart, and um, you've got to expect goals. I think both teams to score definitely a yes in this match. And really, it could, it could be anything. But um, Bournemouth will just try to end the season on a high, go out with their heads high, held high because that's the, the nature of the club and the nature of the manager. And um, I don't think they'll care about what's going on in the other games. I just think they'll, they'll go out to try to entertain. And I, I can see this being a very, very high score in end of season game. Not only over two and a half, only over three and a half. I think it's probably the best bet because the over two and a half market is very, very short on the odds, very low odds. So I'm happy to go over three and a half goals here in what could be a really, really entertaining last game of the season. It's hard really to ask you for a pick or a play on Wolves-Chelsea as we really don't know what result Chelsea will or will not need in order to guarantee Champions League qualification. But is there anything you're potentially looking for? Wolves have been an under team uh, much of the year as well. But obviously, I, I think what, what Chelsea needs to do will, will dictate the, the, the pace of this match. Is there anything that, without knowing what happens this afternoon uh, at Anfield, uh, that, what you'd be looking for in that match in well, general? One thing, I would say, one thing I would say, Bear, is that you know the, the way to make money on the Wolves game is not only about the unders, but it's always been to, um, to bet the draw at half-time. And I think if I was leaning to have a bet now, that's the way I would go. I can see this being a very, very cagey first half and then maybe opening up in the second half. I, you know, I can't see Wolves just suddenly changing the way they play um, that they have done all season. So a very, very small lean towards a draw at half-time, but that would be 
my only lean. Like you say, it's so hard to have a an opinionless game without really knowing what the script is set up for, and then we can see how the bookies react and see whether they've they've gone too far or they haven't gone too far. But um, yeah, maybe a small lean on the draw at half time. And then we are certainly going to. Uh... We'll see if Steve decides to come back for vacation at some point and, and join us prior to Champions League. I mean, that's a, a 50-50 proposition at best. So, But either way, whether he's with me or not, or it's just me, uh, we're, we're going to have you back on before uh, Champions League start uh, back here on August the 7th. Uh, I'll just throw it, throw it out there right now. Assuming the four home teams advance, and it looks like they each are pretty significant favorites uh, to advance. So, say we have uh, City, City, uh, Juventus, uh, Leipzig, Atletico, uh, Madrid, uh, Barca, Barcelona, Bayern, and uh, Atlanta PSG. Uh, any, any, anything in, in those four potential uh, uh, fixtures that that you'd prefer to, to take a look at? It obviously they're they're one-legged quarterfinals now, uh, which I think really favors uh, the, the randomness factor. And you, and you hit on uh, Manchester United uh, earlier about the way they attack. Watching Atlanta, it just seems like there is so much open space every time uh, they push forward. They just find room and create a ton of opportunities. And, and being someone who likes to root for a story, I think it would be fantastic if somehow uh, they found a way to beat PSG uh, win their semifinal match and, and get to the final because with, with, with where the uh, be, having uh, a Bergamo being like the center of uh, the, the virus outbreak in that match mm. in Italy and everything that happened so uh, unfortunate in that in that country and in that town for for Atlanta to put forward a fourth a run to the Champions League final. You, you talk about a, a side with with so much to play for and an entertaining side. Uh, I, I would think if you are not a fan of any of the teams remaining, uh, it, there's got to be a, a good bit of you that are hoping uh, that Atlanta can pull this off. Yeah, I, I, I really would like to see them. I love watching them play football. They, they brought a, a, a breath of fresh air to the Champions League and to Serie A this season. Serie A was a, a league that was considered the most boring league uh, in European football some five years ago. Now it's averaging more goals than any other league and it's highly entertaining. And other sides have started to look at Atalanta as a benchmark and hopefully that's how football will go. My only concern for them, I think there's one positive for them, Chris. I think the, the fact that it's a, like a World Cup style one-off game helps them massively because they can go all out and attack. But their performances in the last few weeks in Syria has, have, have dropped They've, they've dropped, you know, they won one nil uh, last night, but uh, it wasn't a great performance, and and their performances have dropped, and I just worry that they may be worrying, uh, running on empty. Um, but then on the flip side, they go in, their, their season. This the Italian league doesn't end for another, or I think it's another ten days or two weeks or so or something like that. So they're the last league to end in European football, and then they have to go into a, a Champions League competition, and they'll be playing a Paris Saint Germain side who haven't had any football since March. So I don't know what, because this has never happened, I don't know what side you want to be with. Do you want to be with a side that are, mm-hmm. are playing week in, week out, the intensity of playing high-level football? Or do you want to be with the side that have had their, their feet up, relaxing, and just coming back and focusing on the tournament? I really don't know what which way I would want to be. But I have noticed that Atalanta's performances have dipped. So that would be a slight concern for me. I think currently now, probably Manchester City are playing the best football they have all season. And I think that Man City, 
just looked to me the side to beat. I know Bayern Munich were brilliant and I, uh, before that, but I think the timings of just the way the English Premier League is going to finish this Saturday, a two-week rest and then go straight into it, it's perfect. I think the Bayern Munich um, side have probably had a, a couple of weeks too long to rest again and to throw them straight away. And that's why I think they've done they've done okay. So I think still I think Manchester City are the side to beat. I really do. But one thing I I would say to you is this competition, the way it's going to be done, will be brilliant football. Oh, it will be absolute. It will be unbelievable. Played over a two week period in a World Cup style event. The best eight teams in European football. One leg, one semi final. One. It would be absolutely unbelievable. And I'm hoping that maybe in years to come. This could be how the Champions League maybe goes because you know there's a lot of things that's going to come out of this terrible pandemic the whole world is in that are going to be positive. There's a huge amount of negatives, but there's going to be a lot of positives. And maybe that might be a positive that this could be the way that Champions League football could play because I think it would be absolutely amazing if we can get this kind of thing. Uh, the television rights are brilliant. There'd be no second legs. It'd be it'll be it'll just be set up, and you'll see the best team win some great football matches, and 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 I'm really looking forward to it. The other side I think could do quite well. I think Atletico Madrid will 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 do okay. Um, always been the bridesmaid in Champions League football, but I think Barcelona really 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 struggled at the back end of the of the of the Spanish league, and I think Atletico Madrid with their defensive record. Just in a one-off game, they could shut any side out if they needed to for 90 minutes and bore their way to the to the title. And I hope that's wrong because you've got a set like Atalanta, <laughs> Manchester City, and Bayern Munich who are playing football the way it should be. And then I'm talking about a side that could bore it. But we've seen so many and, and, teams and they're going to be facing short. They're going to be facing a Leipzig team that that, that shorthanded as well. So they'll they'll be a pretty significant favorite to to advance from, yep. from, from that from that time. I'm sure. Yeah, so I would go. I would go for them, but I, I think Man City should be, in my opinion, Man City will probably be the likely winners. I'd love to see Atalanta, but a dark horse would be Atletico Madrid. He's the best there is. Nigel Seely, Premier Sports Plays. Give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, check out his website, and uh, he's got some things going on there for uh, subscribers for for next season as well. Uh, that, that will certainly help you make a uh, a lot of money. Nigel, we'll do it again prior to the Champions League once we uh, have some more. Uh, clear. Uh, once things become clearer, this is exactly what we're looking at. We get some numbers out there. We'll talk to you again soon, bud. Take care. Keep safe. Now back and joined by John Murray from the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. Kick around a bunch of stuff. Uh, we just had Nigel Sealing on to break down the final week of the uh, of, of the Prem. And, and for those unfamiliar, John Murray, very near and dear to my heart, a Liverpool supporter as well. So as soon as we get done. Uh, knocking this out, we will be watching a certain trophy listed, uh, <laughs> lifted rather in, in in the cop following the uh, the Chelsea match. John Murray, you talk about a a run for for a fan. Not only John Murray, Liverpool supporter, uh, yeah. Champions League, Premier League. John Murray, Washington Capitals fan, Stanley Cup champion a couple of years ago. John Murray, Washington Nationals fan, World Series sure. champion. So uh, life is is pretty good for John Murray right now. Yeah, there's going to be a brief period where Liverpool is going to be the defending Premier and Champions League champions, and the Nationals are going to be the World Series champions. So it's going to—it's be, been a very nice run, and you know I, I still think the Nationals, or I'm sorry, Liverpool would be in the Champions League if 
they had shut it down like a week earlier. I mean, the only reason we lost is because our goalie was hurt. That's right. You know, if they had just shut down the Champions League a week earlier, he would have been back when the Champions League resumed. I think it's set to resume on August 7th, yep. if I have that correct. And I think mm-hmm. Liverpool would have beat Atletico Madrid, and I think they'd be moving forward. But you can't win everything, I guess. Correct. You know, that's the, that was the one disappointing thing, just to see them come back and, and win the Prem and, and knowing that they probably are, when fully healthy, still the best team in Europe and to have Allison get injured in training right before and and then just have the the, the Adrian just gaff there it was just brutal because they, they, they would have won the match and then who but but you're right that was literally if I if memory serves me correctly like the last match played in England before everything was shut down so you're, you're right I'm pretty I, sure I, it was I, on March if I have this correct and I didn't look this up before we recorded I think it was on March 11th, and March 11th was the day when Rudy Gobert came down with coronavirus, and the the NBA suspended play, and then the next day, there were all those college basketball tournaments that, that were suspended. Exactly, exactly. You, 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 you can't. The last couple of years have been, been great, and unfortunately, the last couple of months have been a, a, a little weird. What, what, what have people been... Uh been betting out there you're getting more ufc play i'm guessing than anything and yeah. is, is golf is golf up at all they've been more, more well, golf the ufc has been huge you know ufc came back on may i think it was may 9th ufc 249 they did those fights in florida we had our app turned off for the month of april but we turned it back on a couple of days before that ufc fight card that was tony ferguson justin gaethje we did great handle on that the ufc has been doing events almost every week since then we did huge numbers UFC 251 Fight Island. That was the Masvidal Usman card a couple mm-hmm. weekends ago, and we're doing big numbers every, pretty much every UFC event. NASCAR handles way up over what it normally would be. Golf handles way up over what it normally would be. People are betting on other stuff because there's no baseball, and it, it's got to be. It's frustrating as a baseball fan myself because if, if baseball could have got their act together, they could be playing what yeah. triple headers, quadruple headers during the day. And they would just be dominating the TV ratings. I'm sitting at home right now. I'm watching Manchester United, West Ham. I don't give a shit about this game. <laughs> but I'm watching it because it's live sports. I don't care what happens at all. But, so imagine if baseball was playing triple headers every day. Think of the handle. You know, everybody bets on their phone accounts in Nevada now and all over the country. People don't have to come to the casino. And they could be betting from their couch watching these baseball games all day long. Baseball, I think, would be dominating the sports landscape like never before, but really it's been the UFC that's been carrying us since we reopened. Yeah, I re- I really don't. I think it, I think at some point baseball went from being okay, like, we're worried about the virus, let's figure it out. To okay, we I think we kind of got the virus part figured out, and it just be, became more of a a labor dispute than anything else, which is which is really unfortunate because you're right, these teams could have been playing doubleheaders every day. Yeah. You could have played more game, and it, it turned into just a nightmare, which is status quo for 2020. You mentioned the golf. Uh, I wrote a column with some of my other uh, Chuck colleagues uh, this week on the 3M, which I, I think will probably be a, uh, a birdie fest type tournament. I actually took a, took a stab with Tommy Fleetwood as my top pick, uh, the guy who hasn't played uh, since the restart, but he's been playing 
some of the, and I think he shot 64 the other day at Shinnecock. There's a guy who probably should have won the U.S. Open at Shinnecock a couple of years ago, but he just got stuck in that brutal afternoon on Saturday. So he was 17 to one. And then some other guys I, I played it up, uh, suggested playing it at uh, plus money uh, to finish the top 10, top 20, top 20. Lucas Glover, I think has played pretty well since the restart. Uh, Henrik Norlander actually had posted a top uh, 10 finish last week at the Memorial. He was like plus 550 to finish in the top 10, uh, 275 for the top 10, top 20. And Sepp Straka was, uh, was, it was a nice price to finish in the top 10 and top 20. So if you're looking for a little bit more uh, detail on that, uh, check out the, uh, the, the picks column that myself and Dave Behrman and Anita Marks and Doug Kazarian penned for this week. So has anything come in on this golf tournament this week? It's not exactly a big one. It's kind of that tweener tournament between yeah. Jack's tournament last week, and then you got the uh, FedEx St. Jude and the PGA coming up in a couple of weeks. Well, you know, last week was so big because Tiger was back. You know, Ti- Tiger Woods <laughs> is the guy that moves the needle in, in the PGA Tour. He has been for 20 years. Decent handle this week on the 3M, not like last week. I know we got the PGA coming in a couple of weeks. Dustin Johnson right now, the favorite at the Westgate at 10 to 1. Uh, the, the handle's been good, not great, but you know what we're really seeing is bigger ticket count numbers every week. Just a lot of people that think they can pick golf now, I guess, because they're they're not they're not focusing on baseball anymore. Well, everyone so, every everyone <laughs> everyone now is a golf and soccer soccer expert. Haven't you been following yeah, yeah. social media? Yeah, we we get a lot, of, and and our golf uh, our golf guys, Jeff Sherman, of course, handles the golf for us at the Westgate. And, He's putting up more props, more matchups than he normally would on these kind of run-of-the-mill tournaments, just because he's got more time on his hands. Yeah, I, I think this. I do expect the handle to be down a little bit uh, from last week for sure, but pretty good handle really when you consider this field is kind of mediocre. No John Rom this week. Rom, of course, won last week at the Memorial. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka are the two favorites. What did you think of that penalty? The John Rom got on oh, because you know I, I I went and I played golf yesterday with some friends of mine. I think I do that all the time. I just put my club down in the grass there. I, I don't know. And, 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 and the ball naturally the ball naturally moves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, make that, sure it's your ball before you hit it. And I I I couldn't believe that that was a two stroke penalty. I thought that well, was ridiculous. There, there, there was no way. I, I, again, this is conspiracy theory. Me, uh, they were not going to let him sign that card. Uh, and have him lose that tournament, being assessed a penalty, uh, like, like 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 Dustin Johnson did with the, uh, up at Whistling Straits there a couple of years ago. I, I, I think if it was in doubt, someone would have given him the the, the, the hey you 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 move you move the ball. You might not want to sign that card. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, are, I guess, are, are, yeah. are 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 you are you buying? In, is is Deshambo the favorite of your guys' place now for a PGA in a couple of weeks? I don't, well, Deshamb- I don't you know. I don't know. I don't know. Deshambo kind of blew hard, up. Hard. Uh, he he kind of blew up over over the last tournament, right? Against yeah. uh, or at the, the Memorial, but he's a guy that's getting a lot of support right now. We do have him at twelve to one for the PGA, which is in a couple of weeks, co-favorite along with Rory McIlroy. What you see happen is people see these guys winning these lesser tournaments, and then they log in to bet on the majors. So we've we've taken a bunch of bets on DeChambeau the last few weeks, and that's why you see his odds come down. I don't know that he really should be the co-favorite to win a major, personally, but having said that, I saw him hit that one tee shot like 420 yards the other day. So I guess this guy's capable of anything. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see if he can handle the uh, the, the major pressure. The, the next time he really contends in a in a major will 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 be the first, I, I guess. But uh, baseball season starts. 
uh, Thursday. We're, we're we're taping this Wednesday afternoon, so a little bit a little a little bit late. Uh, what, what, what are you seeing out there? Have any of these win totals or props or anything take, taken some play? Is uh, you, you mentioned the golf and the, and the soccer and UFC is is up, but uh, there is are people interested in the baseball. Are they taking a wait and see approach. You know, it, there's less there's less handle on this stuff than there normally would be. I think there's a lot of people that don't know what's going to happen with this baseball season. I mean, I can tell you one total we've definitely seen some sharp money come in on in the last few days is the Toronto Blue Jays under their win total. I guess it's because they're not going to be – well, I know it's because they're not going to be playing their home games in Toronto. There were some reports that some guys were going to opt out of the season, some Blue Jays players. Hmm. And we definitely have seen some money come in against the Blue Jays, fading Toronto Blue Jays. I think they announced yesterday they're going to play their home games in, in Pittsburgh at PNC Park. Yeah, I w- but, which uh, which I would think too might result in a lot of uh, higher scoring games because I, I think yeah. that park uh, you're going to see a lot of. So I think if you're looking at maybe uh, looking for some guys to maybe win the home run title or an MVP type race, or you got some uh, season props on some maybe like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or something, I think he could be a guy who who might in this second full year in the bigs now really might uh take 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 a leap forward. And so I don't I don't know what his number is to win the home run title, but he might be someone that might be worth taking a look at if he's going to play uh, his home games in that stadium. Well, he's a guy that's, you know, long been considered one of the top prospects in baseball, ton of power. We've got him at the Westgate. We've got him at 20 to one to lead the majors and home runs. And we'll see what difference it makes with him playing his home games in Pittsburgh. But I think the thought process, like I said, though, is they think some players are going to drop out of the season or opt out of the season, Mm -hmm. I should say. And, And that's why they're playing him under. And it's a tough schedule, too. The schedule this year is so slanted to your region, I guess you'd say, where you you just play the other – like if you're in the AL East, you just play the other East teams. And that can be tough because the NL East is really good, obviously, outside of the Marlins, four teams that have playoff aspirations. And then a lot of games for the Blue Jays with the Yankees and with the Rays and even the Red Sox. Now, the Red Sox are a team that – We've seen weird action on there. We have seen guys take shots on them to win the division, win the World Series, win the pennant, sharp guys. And we've also seen big money come in under their win total. So the Red Sox are a team that people, uh, I guess they can't really decide what to make of the Boston Red Well, that was one of the win totals that stuck out to me when I was prepping for this to talk about with you. I saw their win total of 30 and a half was a number that I saw. And I thought they were a, a dead underplay at 30 and a half. I, I think I think their pitching staff is bad. Uh, you mentioned it. You've got the Yankees and the Rays in your division, and then you got to play, you play the, uh, the the National League East uh, yeah. as your crossover uh, rival in, in the in the interleague, and you're you're dealing with Nationals, Phillies, uh, Braves, and and Mets, who yeah. are all good teams. So uh, I don't see this right and. You take into the, the account no fans at Fenway. Fenway is usually a, a, a good home. That, that crowd, uh, there are few baseball cities and, and baseball teams that have that relationship and I, I think do gain some type of home field edge because of their crowd and fan support. Uh, then the Red Sox. So I, I think the Red Sox are an, un, an, an underwind total team this year. I will say this. Their lineup rakes. You know, I know, I know they lost Mookie Betts. They traded Mookie Betts, I should say, but – that lineup breaks. They they got a lot of guys in that lineup that can hit the ball. Starting pitching is the concern. You nailed it. And so many question marks in that starting rotation. That's why I think a lot of people are 
down on the Red Sox this season. But, uh, you know, I think that win total is pretty low. You're talking about, you, you said 30 and a half. The market's in that neighborhood right now on the, on the Red Sox. And I think the, the win total has been adjusted properly. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say that. I mean, I don't know how much value you're really getting. We're all the way down to 29 and a half for Westgate because we had a guy come in, he bet 10 grand under 30 and a half on Boston. So there we're going to be Boston. Uh, yeah, the, we had a guy, really the only. Uh, Maybe you can land on 30. We both can be happy. Yeah, really really the only notable uh, large bets we've seen on win totals was a gentleman, a known house player, came in and he bet 10000 each on the Red Sox under, Padres over, and the Cardinals over. Cardinals, uh, I, the Cardinals to me are a tough team to get a, to get a handle on. Cause, you know, they really overachieved last season. They, they won the Central Division, and then they – I don't want to say they lucked into beating the Braves because remember that game five was so mm-hmm. strange. Yep. They put up the like first, 11 runs the in the first, first inning, inning. right? Yep. Yeah, and then they just got absolutely blitzed by the Nationals in the NLCS. So that, that's a team that, uh, for me, it's hard, to, it's hard to make sense of the Cardinals, but I do like yeah. the fact that they're in the Central and they should have an easier schedule than these teams out in the, in the East, uh, East Division. Yeah, and, and the back end of their bullpen, I think, is still a little, a little shaky outfield. I think they get – yeah, I, I, it just seems like every year I have that similar thought about the Cardinals, and every year they wind up winning 89, 90 games, 88, 7 games, yeah. and they're, they're making the playoff as a wild card, and uh, you, you go home disappointed. Another team that I'm curious about in terms of Central Division but other league uh, was the White Sox. Like they are seem to be everybody's darling. Yeah. I saw their win total was 32 that I saw, and, and I don't know. I'm 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 a little skeptical on these these trendy teams that everybody seems to love that have kind of stunk the last few years. That I, I might be looking to play under 32 at the White Sox. Well, I'll give you the two trendy teams that we're seeing. White Sox is number one. We've got their win total at 32 and a half. They're one of our ticket count leaders in terms of World Series future action. The White Sox they've got a very young lineup, a lot of top prospects. Everybody really likes them. I don't know that their pitching can hold up, although it's only a 60-game season, so maybe it can. But the White Sox, extremely trendy. And then the other one, also in the Central, in the National League Central, the Cincinnati Reds. We've got them at 33-and-a-half. Their team is seeing a lot of action as well. So the White Sox at 32-and-a-half, the Reds at 33-and-a-half. If you're looking to go against the grain and fade the public teams, there are your two public teams. There are the two teams in the American League and the National League that everybody has decided – these are the two sleepers, <laughs> I guess, so to speak. And if you're looking to fade those popular teams like the like the Browns and the Bears were last year in the NFL, it's the White Sox, it's the Cincinnati Reds. And another public team that I can see being a, a public team, a lot of a Dodger, Yankee, and whoever uh, is playing the Tigers uh, money line uh, parlays this year, <laughs> uh, the Dodgers. I, I saw their win total at 38, but don't you think that's still kind of low? I mean, that lineup is stacked. Uh, they, they got, they're kind of built like an American League team to be able to really capitalize on the DH rule. I think their bullpen's better. Uh, Bueller, I think, could be your National League Cy Young winner. I don't know. 30, 38 seems a little low. I think they still go over that. You know, it's funny. They, the guys that were working on our baseball numbers, which was really spearheaded by one of our, our sportsbook managers, Randy Blum, and then, of course, by Ed Sammons, our VP of Risk, they asked me what I thought after they adjusted the win totals to the 60-game season before they turned them on. And I looked at them, and I was like, look, I know this sounds square, 
But I kind of think the Dodgers number is too low, you know, and, and I, it was like the highest number on the board. We have it at 38 at the Westgate, and it's not usually my style to bet over the highest number mm-hmm. or under the lowest number, but I agree with you. I thought because of the way the schedule is set up, playing all those teams in the National League West, and really the American League West is not a great division either. Uh, the Dodgers, I, I don't see any reason why they won't win in the low to mid-40s with their schedule They bring over Mookie Betts. I know David Price opted out of this 2020 season, but the Dodgers are absolutely loaded. The only thing that might prevent them from getting to that number is if they just get such a big lead in the division that they lose interest at the end of the season. So that would be something that would concern me a little bit. Maybe they're ahead by so much they don't care Mm -hmm. in the last few days. You mentioned that that just that division being so bad, obviously – the Giants number, I think, is just too late. You really can't play that. But I, I thought the Rockies at 28 was another interesting. Uh, you're, you're, you're talking about, what, 10 games with the, with the Dodgers. Uh, yeah. The Padres are going to be improved. Uh, I, I don't think the Diamondbacks are a, a bad team. I, I think they could be a, a sneaky, maybe wild card type contender. And you got to play the Astros from the A. Like, the yeah, Rockies the, seem like the, another the team too. that just the, – the, the Rockies seem like another under team to me. I saw they put number 28. I don't know. That seems, that seems kind of high. We did see some sharp money on the Diamondbacks to win the division over their win total from a group that bet them last year as well and did well on those bets. Uh, so the Diamondbacks are in play as potentially a sharp team. There's only going to be so many wins to go around in that National League West when you've got the Dodgers, you've got these teams all playing the Astros like you mentioned. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. The Rockies could be a fade, but they do get to play the Giants ten times. So you could potentially uh, win a lot of games against the Giants. I'll be nice. The Giants don't look like they're going to be very competitive. That, li- that lineup looks awful. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was going down at the end. I, I was looking at that lineup, and I was just going I'm like, between that lineup and the Marlins lineup. Good grief. Well, it's going to be a long year for the Marlins, I think. Just be- They've got to play those four National League East teams ten times each. I just I don't see where the wins are going to come from for for the Miami Marlins this year. And they should be a little bit better than they were last year, but the schedule is going to be so tough. We've got their win total at twenty four and a half, and I think they would do pretty well to clear that number. I was going to say four, forty games between those fourteen, like yeah. fifteen and twenty five is maybe possible. And and then, and then you got to go what ten and ten and ten versus the American League East. Yeah, but even those American League East games, yeah, be, exactly. Those, those aren't are exactly uh, weak teams outside of the Baltimore Orioles, of course, who are, look to be terrible this year. I mean, the American League East is a good division as well. So the, the Marlins are they're going to be in for a long, short season. Catch my drift here. The, 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 I'm curious. You're, this is a team that is weird because a couple of years ago they really overachieved, and then last year they came back down to earth. But they, they might fall into some wins this year. Are, are the Texas Rangers? Like, like I look, their rotation's like sneaky good. Uh, yeah. Kluber and Lynn and, and and Mike Miner. Like like they they might not be bad. They got some good young players. Uh, we 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 mentioned that division not necessarily uh, being great. And I'm not sure about the Angels. If you know. If you know Mike Trout is uh is gonna miss time with, with the birth of his son, yeah, the, the Rangers could 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 possibly turn into an over team this year. Well, I don't I don't like the Angels. I'll say that right off the bat. As for the Rangers, we've got their win total at twenty eight and a half at the Westgate. 
You know, the problem they might run into is I think people are forgetting how good the Astros are. I know that sounds silly, but everybody's so swept up in uh, all the, the cheating scandal. Maybe we've lost sight of just how good the Houston Astros are. And then don't forget about the Oakland A's. Oakland is a team that's been kind of a trendy pick to make some noise in this abbreviated season. So there's only so much room for the the Rangers to grow, so to speak. I don't know that they can overtake Houston or the Oakland A's to get into the postseason, but they do have some good pieces there. I, I definitely agree with you on that. And, and then there there was one pro- – I, I didn't really like the, a ton of like props this year just because it's, it's just hard to – to, to, to really know the ball's going to be juiced and, yeah. and everything. But there, there was one uh, pitching prop, the, the, the over-under uh, for the uh, leader in strikeouts at 111.5. And, and I thought that was kind of high because uh, isn't the pool of guys who could potentially do that? Say you're, say you're pitching, what, 80 innings this year, maybe 85 innings. You're yeah. looking at around 13 strikeouts per night. So basically right there, unless it's – Garrett Cole or maybe Max Scherzer or maybe Trevor Bauer goes nuts. Uh, It doesn't seem like there are very many guys capable of getting to 112 strikeouts. Do you like my my thought process on that? Well, uh, the market does. Because right now at the Westgate, we've got that number at 106.5. You see that number come down a little bit from where you're quoting it at. So the market definitely agrees with you on that. You know, if you have if you're a starting pitcher and you have one DL stint, you can miss like what a fifth of the season, right now. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. It's going to be tough to get to that number, and you've got to think too that some of these starting pitchers are probably going to be on an innings limit at the start of the season this weekend. I don't think you're going to see too many starting pitchers go deep into these games for the first week or so. It'll be interesting to see how these managers play it, but. I don't think you're going to see a Max Scherzer or a Steven Strasburg, my Nationals fanhood showing here, Bear, uh, <laughs> go too deep here the first week. I mean, I could be wrong about that, and I know Max is going to want to pitch the whole way. But I, 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 see, I, I see where you're coming from, and I do agree with you. John Murray, my good friend, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see you out there at some point later this summer or, uh, or fall, or definitely, uh, definitely come February when I'm out there for – uh, the NHC. Thanks for your for your time, bud, and your expertise as always, and be well. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's good to talk some sports. You, you're sitting here at home and you kind of just surfing around the internet and kicking around time everybody. So it's good good to talk to a couple of the guys who who know what the know what the heck they're talking about. And hopefully you you, you take and take that in and get get something out of it this weekend for the prim. Get something out of it for. Uh, Major League Baseball, watching and wagering, and uh, as things get a little bit more clearer with with college football, which hopefully they uh, they will in the next couple of weeks, and uh, if it looks like we're going to have a, a little bit more clarity on some, on the season and the schedules and some wins and conferences, we can uh, we'll certainly be back and with Steve to, to kick some of that around. But uh, in, in, until then, in terms of the prim, in terms of your golf, in terms of your your horse racing. In terms of your, your 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 baseball, the less you bet, the more you lose when you win.